Welcome, Grace Downtown. We're so glad that you've tuned in to catch this sermon. I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about uh, what's going to be happening with the sermon over the next three weeks since we are online for the month of December. Uh, This week we're starting the book of Hebrews, not only for Advent, but into 2021, and I wanted to make sure to start it off. And you hear from me, I love the book of Hebrews, and so I wanted to make sure that we had a downtown-specific sermon that obviously you've accessed this via your weekly email, and you can also find it on YouTube. And then the next two weeks, you'll tune in at 10 a.m. or after on Sunday mornings to our online service where you will hear Pastor Steve and Pastor Brooks the next couple of weeks, and they will continue through Advent and the book of Hebrews. Uh, But I wanted to take this opportunity to kick off the book because Hebrews is a book that I love, and also just remind you that we're online during December and we miss you and we will have uh, info to you soon about when we can go back to live and in-person services. As I said, we're starting out the book of Hebrews. I'm excited to be starting the book of Hebrews. We're starting in Hebrews for a number of different reasons, which I'll talk about here in a moment, but we thought it was fitting to start it during this season of Advent as we look forward to uh, Christ's coming and celebrating Christmas together. So as I said, we're going through the book of Hebrews. We'll go through it for Advent, and it will go well into the spring, into 2021 as well. And I wanted to start off, before we jump into the first four verses here, of um, listing off some reasons why we are going through the book of Hebrews. The first reason is that it is this pastor's favorite book of the Bible. I love Hebrews, um, so I actually advocated for us doing this book. Um, A few reasons why it's my favorite uh, book of the Bible. First, it explains why the Old Testament is important. As I understood more of Hebrews... Um, as I got into adulthood, it really unlocked the Old Testament for me and really caused in me a love for the Old Testament that has made the Old Testament a regular part of my Bible reading and teaching and ministry and even my my biblical counseling as well. Uh, Another reason is because the book of Hebrews is written by an author who we aren't sure who it is, but um, this author um, is writing to a group of Hebrews in the Roman Empire and explaining to them why Jesus is better than their religious upbringing, but also the culture that they find themselves in. So the whole book is about the importance of Jesus and why Jesus is better than everything else. Also, I love how it tells us what to do. There's a lot of commands in it. There's a lot of warnings in it. There's a lot of instructions that the author of Hebrew gives us, all based on the fact that Jesus is better. It being my favorite book is not reason enough to take a whole congregation through it, so there are other valid reasons that I want to point out here. The first one is that this book is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. You can't read very far before you are reading a passage that talks about how great Jesus is. We love talking about that in every sermon, so it's great to preach through a book that does it so abundantly. Secondly, it makes you read and appreciate the Old Testament. We want to encourage you to get into the Old Testament and read the Old Testament for yourself, and the book of Hebrews drives you back into the Old Testament. So as we refer to parts of the Old Testament, or as you see footnotes or cross-references to the Old Testament, we want to encourage you to check those out. Particularly check out the book of Leviticus as you read Hebrews. Hebrews and Leviticus are really in conversation with one another, and it's hard to understand one without the other. So I would encourage you uh, towards Leviticus in particular. And uh, lastly, it's written for a group of people that are going through hard times and who will go through hard times in the future. 
Just very quickly by way of introduction here, in Hebrews 10, you hear the author of Hebrews talk a little bit about the audience that he is writing to. Hebrews 10.32 says, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and afflictions, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. The author of Hebrews is writing to people that have had to endure, and they will endure more. Even the author of Hebrews, whoever he may be, is going to endure things just as the other authors of the New Testament endured. As we look back at 2020, we've endured a lot in various ways and obviously on a spectrum, but all of us have endured a lot as a society and as a world. We need endurance. Because here's the thing, as we look ahead to 2021, we don't know what is in store. It seems like this winter is going to be very challenging in a number of ways. We need the words of this author that wrote Hebrews, and specifically we need to hear how Jesus is better. Let's pray and jump in. Heavenly Father, thank you that you speak. Thank you that you have spoken to us through your word. We want to hear from you. We want to fall more in love with you, Jesus. We pray that you would speak during this time and throughout this entire series. In Jesus' name, amen. Wouldn't it be great if you could hear from God? If you've been through times in your life where you just wish you could hear a word from God, maybe you're in that season right now. Maybe you would love to hear from the Lord. When is this pandemic going to end? What is the future of my job? What is the future of my education? What is the future of my family? What is the future of my relationships? What is the future of this illness that I find myself dealing with or these chronic issues that I'm dealing with? Wouldn't you love to hear from God during this time? Wouldn't you love to look back at hard parts of your life and and hear God speak to you about why those things happened in your life? Well, here we start out the book of Hebrews by looking at the fact that God has spoken. Throughout this series, as I said, we're going to be looking at how the author says that Jesus is better better than the religious upbringing of the Jews in which he is writing to, the Hebrews that he is writing to, and also Jesus is better than the culture that they find themselves in. As we jump into this, we're going to see in these first couple of verses, but also throughout the book, some comparisons. As the author says Jesus is better, he compares Jesus to things uh, of the Old Testament, uh, things of the Jewish religion, and he also points to things in the culture and says Jesus is better. As we open these first few verses, we see four comparisons in particular. He talks about how things were long ago and how things are now. He talks about how God's spoken many times and in many ways, but now he has spoken through Jesus. He once spoke through prophets, and now he has spoken through his son. And he We have seen things that are temporary. We have seen temporary messengers and temporary speech from God. But now we are going to see eternal speech in the person of Jesus Christ. So Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to read the first four verses. 
and talk about them and make some application for us here today. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Long ago, and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So first, in verse 1, we read that long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. This is a basically kind of a, a summary statement of what the author is about to say in the book of Hebrews. And he says here that long ago, in many times, many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. What he's talking about here is the Old Testament. Often, when Jews in the first century and the New Testament authors would talk about the prophets, what they were speaking of is anyone that wrote the Old Testament. So as we look back at the Old Testament, we see God speaking through a number of different ways, many times, many ways, over different eras. He speaks in different ways. So in the Old Testament, one uh, commentator put it this way, God spoke many varied words over sporadic periods of time and a large period of time. It's just kind of a paraphrase of what Hebrews 1 is saying. So how has God spoken in the Old Testament? Well, first we see from the very beginning of the Bible, in the second verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-2, we see God speak. He creates the world by speaking. He speaks the world into existence. In Genesis 1, verse 2, we read, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. I can't even walk into a room and say, let there be light and there's light. Maybe if I had Alexa or something like that, I could, but I don't. And so I don't have the power. I had to walk into this room and turn on all the lights in all the various places by hand. I can't just turn on the lights. God didn't just turn on the lights. He created light by speaking it into existence. Andrew Murray says, the Lord is the only one who gives what he speaks. Often our words and our actions don't match up. And not only do God's words and actions match up, but he is self-determining. He is self-existent. He creates everything. This is the nature of who God is. He speaks, and it is. He doesn't have to say, I hope there's light, or I wish there's light, or I need to go about building light. He says, let there be light. And there is. So from the very beginning, we see God speak. As we move throughout the Old Testament, we see God speak to and through men and women, prophets, priests, kings, shepherds, warriors, moms, all kinds of people. We even have this amazing story of him speaking to a pagan king in King Cyrus. We see God speaking to and through his people, through laws and systems and intermediaries. God always had a way of speaking to his people, but it was in many ways. It was in sporadic forms over many different eras. So this is what the author is saying in Hebrews 1 when he says, God spoke long ago to our fathers by prophets, 
over many times and in many ways. That's how God did speak. But then we have this turn where God said, where the author of Hebrews says, now God spoke to our, uh, to us by his son. So how has God spoken by his son? That's really what the rest of the passage is about. This is a theme in the life of Jesus. This is in the New Testament. We read in John 1, 1, we hear Jesus called the word. And in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In verse 3, it says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In Colossians 1.16, we read that for by him all things were created in heaven and earth. So we see Jesus being a part of the creation of the world and actually being the word of God. It's so hard to wrap our brains around what this is saying, but in John 1.1, 1, 1, John is saying that Jesus is everything. Jesus is better. Jesus was there from the beginning with the Father and created everything. And he is also saying that Jesus is the one that is speaking who God is. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying here. We see this change in verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 1. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. He spoke via the Son in the creation of the world, and now he is speaking by his Son coming and dwelling among his people. That's how he's speaking. And he appointed this son, the heir of all things. Through him, he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. There's two word pictures that the author is giving us here. First, the imprint of his nature. This word imprint is like a king's signet ring who seals an official document with a ring and he, he presses it down, and it leaves an imprint of whatever was on his ring. That's the word imprint that the author is using here. And then the other word is the radiance, the radiance of the glory of God. He's using language like the sun, the sun's radiance. If, if you look outside and it's sunny, or if a sunbeam is coming in this room, or if you look out into the sky and you can see evidence of the sun, you're not looking at the sun, you're seeing the radiance of the sun. That's what the word picture that he is giving us here. And he says that this son upholds the universe by the word of his power. God has spoken the world into existence. He has spoken through his son. And the father upholds the universe by the word of his power. So how has God spoken through his son? Well, you have to look no further than the life and the ministry of Jesus. When you see Jesus, you see God speaking to mankind because Jesus is the God-man, Jesus Christ, the fully man, fully God. So when we see the ministry of the Son, we see a number of things about who God is. God speaks who he is to us through the ministry of Jesus. So what we see is the power of God. We see the love of God. We see that God has intervention in the affairs of man. We see the mercy of God. We see that God conquers all other gods. We see Jesus come and rile up the religious and the irreligious. We see a God who cares. Look at Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Read the words of Jesus, the parables of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the things that he said and he did. That's God speaking. That's God saying, this is who I am. 
When we wish that God would speak to us, we can look at the ministry of Jesus and see that God indeed speaks and he has spoken to us. Let's continue on in verse 3. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Thomas Schreiner writes that this is the thesis of Hebrews. That Jesus is better because of his life and ministry, but also because he made purification for sins, and now he is sitting on a throne at the right hand of the Father. That's a great summary, a great thesis for this book. See, you and I, we sit down when we're done with the work that we have done, that we've come to do. After a hard day's work or a hard week's work, we sit down, we finally rest, we take a load off. Here's the difference between what this is saying and what we do. When we go home, we sit in a lazy boy, and we get a cold drink, and we put a a show on, we Netflix binge, we watch sports, we have a cold drink, we have our snack or whatever, we relax, or we unwind, or we tune out, or numb out, or whatever. That's not what this is talking about. Jesus is not sitting in a lazy boy. Jesus is sitting on a throne. Who sits on a throne? A king. And where is this throne? It's at the right hand of God, who upholds all things by the word of his power. That's where Jesus is today. He is sitting on a throne. And what is he doing on that throne? He is ruling and reigning over all things because he is the king of all kings. But in Romans 8, we're told that Jesus is doing something else as he sits at the right hand of the Father. Romans 8, verse 34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he is the one who is raised. And he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he is indeed interceding for us. Jesus, when he finished his work here on earth, went and sat on a throne that he still sits on to this day, as the king of all kings, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he intercedes for you and for me. He is speaking to the Father about how he made purifications of sin for you and for me. That his work on the cross was his final and finished work. His death, his resurrection, his ascension, it was God speaking to mankind, saying, I love you. I've made a way for you. And when Jesus had finished that work, he went and he sat down on the throne. See, here's the thing. You need Jesus' work on the throne today as much as you need his work on the cross. You need his work on the cross to be purified of your sins, to be made right with God. But you need Jesus ruling and reigning as the king of all kings. And you need him interceding on your behalf today. And he is. This is a major theme of Hebrews If you were to grab God's ear and ask him to speak to you today, do you know what he would say? He would whisper the name Jesus. He would say, I have spoken through my son. Because in Christ we find all that we need. In our grief, in our pride, in our shame, in our anger, in our hurt, we look at Jesus and we see the purification for our sins. We see how God speaks to us. We see who God is. We see that he is seated on a throne at the right hand of the Father. We see everything that we need to see 
of who God is, we hear everything that we need to hear God say in Jesus. He has given us everything that we need. God has always spoken to his people, and he is still speaking today, and he will continue to do so until we see him face to face. So what are the implications of this truth, of these first four verses, as we open up Hebrews 1? A few quick things here. The first, we need to live in the reality of his amazing grace. We need to live in the reality of his amazing grace. Our life is a pattern and a history of having a a tough relationship with words. Think about the words that others have used to hurt you over the years. Think about the words that you have used to hurt others over the years. Speech, words, are really important. They pack a big punch. They're very weighty. Andrew Murray says that speaking is the vehicle for relationship. And many of our relationships have been torn apart because of the speech that has been a part of that relationship. God speaks through his Son. And when we look at the Son and what he has done for us, we see that God loves us. So if speech is a vehicle for relationship, we see a God that wants to have a relationship with us. And we see what kind of relationship he wants to have with us because he has spoken through his son. Jesus is a far better messenger of who God is than all those other voices that you have heard. You can know who God truly is because of Jesus. Not because any pastor tells you so or parents or kids or siblings or friends or media or anyone else. Jesus is a better messenger. Jesus is speaks of who God is, and we need to hear that word. Secondly, similarly, speech is very important. We need to watch our speech. It's amazing to me how much of Scripture talks about our speech. James talks about our speech. Proverbs talks about our speech. Psalms talks about our speech. Speech. There's countless examples and narratives of people getting in trouble for how they speak. Speech is important. Our words have the ability to give and take away life. If God speaks and he communicates who he is and he communicates his grace and his mercy to us, we need to then turn around and speak a certain way to others because of how God has spoken to us. What are our words doing as we give them out? As we text them, as we say them, as we tweet them, as we Instagram, as we Facebook as we talk to other people, whatever mode we use, what are our words doing? Even the things we think about other people, are they giving or taking away life? If God has spoken his grace and mercy to us, then we need to be careful about the words that we give to others. Third, we need to read the Old Testament. We need to read the Old Testament. When you read both the Old and New Testament, you see much more about who God is. It's not just a verse for the day or a bumper sticker saying that you can latch onto. When you read the Old and the New Testament, and when you read them together, 
over the course of days, months, years, seasons of life, you get a fuller picture of who God is. You see the context in which the Bible was written and also understood. The book of Hebrews makes no sense if you don't read the Old Testament. It's, it's impossible to contextualize. It's impossible to see what the author is getting at. And you kind of go, well, no, duh, Jesus is better. I already knew that. But when you read the Old Testament, you really start to see the context in which the people that are reading this letter from the author, these New Testament books are letters. You see what their lives were like in the context in which they were taught and they were raised and that they're um, really processing through what Jesus did, the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, now the Roman Empire that they live in. And here's the key. When you understand their context, you can start to contextualize it for your life. You can start to understand it and you can't do that without reading both the Old and the New Testament. Here's a key to that whole thing as well. Reading the Old Testament's great. I love it. I find it exciting, invigorating. It really enriches my Bible study and Bible learning. Um, but here's the thing. Here, here's really the key. When we do that, our theology gets better, but you know what? Our practices get better too. We start to not give in to easy strawman arguments for other parts of theology or politics or we don't get swung by the, the waves of our culture or by the waves of certain theologies or certain politics. We really start to see a full picture of who God is and we adjust our practices accordingly. When just one case in point is you read the full picture of who Jesus is, as I've encouraged us to do here today, and as you see the different ways that God speaks through his son, you get a complex, rich, layered understanding of who God is. No easy answers, no easy understanding. You see the Jesus who cares for those and touches those that no one else will touch, and you see him going into the church and flipping over people's tables. It's really hard to reconcile in our mind, but it gives us a fuller picture of who God is. As you read the book of Job, as you read the book of Judges, as you read the book of Hosea, it's going to confuse some categories in your mind. It's going to give you a complex understanding of who God is, and you're not going to have all the answers, and you know what? That's okay. That's okay. We get a fuller picture of who God is, and we get a fuller picture of how we should be when we read the whole Bible. I would encourage you to make a habit of reading through multiple parts of scripture. I like to read a reading plan where it's four chapters a day. Each chapter is from different parts of scripture. And after a year, you've gone through the whole Bible. Or 13 months, or 16 months, or 18 months, or two years, however long it takes. But it's so important to make sure that we are reading from the Old and New Testament so that we are living godly lives that are based on the character and the nature of a full picture of who God is. Not taking on our pet little hot topics or theologies or politics or worldviews that we like to latch onto. We're getting a fuller picture of who God is and what he has asked us to do. Lastly, I would encourage us to listen to God. If God is speaking, I want to hear what he has to say. Tomorrow I have a Hebrew final in my first year of Hebrew, and this whole year, um, I, this whole school year, I've been trying to tune into the frequency of the Hebrew language. It's a very complex frequency to tune into. It is uh, right to left, 
and it is an alphabet that is symbols I'm not familiar with. It doesn't match our alphabet. There's no kind of mnemonic devices to help you understand the words like there is in Greek and the Latin-based languages. So it's a completely foreign language in every sense of the word. So your mind is translating so many things as you read it right to left and with a different alphabet, with a different syntax. Often there's not enough vowels. There's uh, symbols that don't make a sound. It's very confusing. The whole year I've been trying to tune into the frequency of Hebrew. I've spent countless hours trying to tune into that. And it's been very challenging. We need to tune into the frequency of God. So much of our life is hearing from other things, and it drowns out what God is trying to say to us through His Spirit, His Word, and through His people. We need to listen to who God is. Often we say, God, t- speak to me, speak to me. Why can't I hear from you? God seems silent right now when we're not tuned in to His frequency. It would be like me going out here to the corner of Clinton and Market and standing on the street corner and turning around 360 and going, I thought everyone said there was corn in Iowa. There's no corn in Iowa. I can't see any corn in Iowa. Well, is that true? Is there no corn in Iowa? No, in fact, there's 23.4 million acres of corn in Iowa. But at the corner of Clinton and Market, you can't see the corn. When we often, when we say, I can't hear from God, it's like we're standing at Clinton and Market saying, God, there's no corn in Iowa. We need to tune ourselves in to God's frequency. We need to open up our Bible. We need to be in fellowship with God's people. We need to quiet our lives and rest before him and listen to his spirit that is speaking to us. He wants to speak to you today. Will you listen? Will we listen to him as individuals and as a church? As we continue on through this book of Hebrews, we will continue to see how Jesus is better than all these things from the Old Testament, but our hope as your pastors is that you would see that Jesus is better, that we would see that Jesus is better and all the other gods we run to, all the other things that we hope to deliver us are better than the things of this world are better than any pleasure any comfort, any ease, that Jesus is better and he is the one that we need for the purification of our sins, but also to know that the Father who loves us has spoken to us. Go in grace and we'll see you soon.